the Author to Author podcast series with award-winning author Pamela R. Haynes. Welcome to the podcast. Dalgetty Herbal Teas produce 100% natural high-quality organic teas using only the best ingredients. Available now from all major supermarkets or please visit our website at dalgetty.co. Dalgetty Herbal Teas. Welcome to another episode of the Author to Author podcast. I am your host, Pamela R. Hain. Can you believe we are at episode 7 already? Time truly waits for nobody. With regards to my new book, the pre-sales are flying in. My publisher is chasing a place on the US Today best list. You all can help me by ordering Loving the Sisters online at Amazon if you've not done so already. Thank you in advance for your continued support. My next guest is my former colleague, Claudia Crawley, who is an author, coach and anti-racist trainer. Let's jump into her episode now. See you on the other side. Hello there, Claudia. Thank you for joining me on the Author to Author podcast. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you. How are are you doing? I'm great. I'm really good. Just getting over COVID, actually. But apart from that, I'm on the mend. Okay. Mm. Okay. Wishing you well. Wishing you well with that. It's not easy. I've had COVID as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it seems like the cough is the very last thing to go as well. That can take quite a few weeks, can't it? Well, hopefully you're over the worst of it now. I just want to let our listeners know that you have your your pet with you. What's what's his name? His name is Simba. He's a two-year-old um, British shorthaired. He's absolutely stunningly beautiful. And he is. And I'm not a cat person, but I can see that he is a definitely a beautiful, beautiful cat who uh, obviously wants attention because he's jumping on the desk where you are. And right so, now he's lying on my notebook. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, we'll have to incorporate him into the interview because he obviously has something that he wants to say. But it's good to see you. And um, Claudia, for our listeners, tell us where you are originally from as your heritage and where are you based now? My heritage is Jamaican. My parents are part of the Windrush generation, came to this country in the 60s. I was brought up in Wolverhampton, which has a pretty large Jamaican community, actually. I now live in Leicestershire. But I, I came here by London. I went down to London to university and didn't really go back to Wolverhampton. And then when the pandemic hit, I decided it was time for me to get back into the country. And I'm now living in the countryside in a place called Fletchney, um, which is uh, quite an experience for me, I must say. Yeah, that's where I am okay. now. Okay, we'll get into that a bit, more, a bit more, I think. But our connection is through um, working for the probation service. If I'm right, were you in a London probation service? I was. I was in a London probation up until 2001 when um, they took out uh, the family court welfare aspect of probation. They took it out of the probation service and put it into a new organisation called CAFCA. So right up until 2010, I was in CAFCA, first of all, a team manager, then I got promoted to leading the knowledge, learning and professional development department within Kafka. And in 2010, I got made redundant and I set myself up as a coach in Winning Pathways Coaching. 
Okay, can I pull you right back? Because one habit that we do in probation is that we use a lot of acronyms and you just use one. It was the Family Court Welfare Team that moved to CAFCAS. But can you tell us what does CAFCAS stand for? CAFCAS is the Children and Family Court Advisory and Support Service. And basically it works with parents who are splitting up, divorcing, and they're in dispute over the arrangements of their children. We're talking about living arrangements and also who should have contact and how often and all that. And on the other side, uh, CAFCAS deals with public law work, which is um, working alongside social workers who are thinking of taking children into care. Um, so yeah, that's that's its responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So I do remember that split because prior to that, I think the family court welfare team was very much seen as the creme de la creme of the probation service. You had to have X amount of years of um, experience as a practitioner, um, special training before you could move into that um, department. And then, as you said, they split the service and you moved out of it. It was called CAFCAS. But remind us again, when did you actually leave CAFCAS then? 2010. And that was because they uh, decided to cut costs, close down the department I was, I was in and well, it's often the first thing to go, training and development, when they're cutting costs, isn't it? They closed it down and I got my redundancy money and uh, went off into the sunset <laughs> with it. So tell us, <laughs> what did you do? What did you do the next? I, well, I'd seen this coming when I was in Kafka, so I'd got myself trained to be a coach. And I was um, before I left, I was coaching some of the managers within that organisation. And it just made sense for me to um, set myself up in business doing that. So I, I specialise in working with women. And now I've evolved into a coach for women social workers. So I do executive coaching and career coaching for women social workers. But that's not exclusive because I do work with men and I do do work with um, a lot of other different types of organisations like the NHS, NHS England. Uh, the Electoral Commission, local authorities, you know. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I also do some anti-racism consultancy alongside coaching. Okay, can you say more about that? Well, the thing I've done quite a lot of since George Floyd in 2020 is uh, working with organisations to develop anti-racist allies. I'm a member of the Women's Equality Party, uh, which is um, it's a political party within uh, the UK, and it's all about gender equality, really. And you know, it's open. The membership is open to both men and women. You don't have to be a woman to join. But what we do all have in common is that we believe in gender equality, and that's what we're fighting for. And I led the anti-racist allies group within that organisation, so I was developing white people in order to become, um, to take on anti-racism, basically, and join the fight and ally with, um, become allies with black and brown and uh, other people of colour. But activism has always been part of your career. If I remember your work with the Association of Black Probation Officers, you were one of the, you know, um, quite militant members when it came to equality. Did you want to say more about your work within the probation service? I was doing that for a long time, actually, Um, more than 25 years. I was doing anti-racism training, mainly within probation. 
are working with formation teams to get them to change their practice and to become to become anti-racist basically in their practice um, but I gave that up Oh, it would have been late 90s, I think, because I just found that it was, number one, it was exhausting. Number two, I found that um, a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of people on the courses would they'd often turn against the black facilitator, what we call now called gaslighting. It wasn't called that in those days. But we, we often experienced a lot of racism on the courses themselves. And I just reached a point where... I'd had enough. It wasn't good for my mental health. And despite the fact that it, it paid really well to do it, uh, I just thought it wasn't worth the money. My mental health more important. So even though I gave up the anti-racism training then, I started doing it again after George Floyd because I, I just recognised that I needed to get back into this fight. Even after I'd given it up, I was still doing a lot of work um, on anti-racism within CAPCA. It just wasn't training. It was, you know, other stuff like now the, the allied development. Well, thanks for that. So thank you for donating two copies of your book, Undeterred. Tell us what is your, what is your new book about? Well, the book, as you say, it's called Undeterred. And the strapline is The Success Equation of Women of Black and Asian Heritage. Now, the book, it's about 10 really diverse women of colour. Um, they come from all classes, different backgrounds, they're in different professions, but what they all have in common is they're all successful in their own way, and they've had to overcome the challenges of racism and sexism in order to make it. And they're, they're quite amazing women, I say. I mean, I call them my page one women. And what that term means is that they are worthy of front page status. I actually coined that term when a few years ago, when The Sun was still featuring Page Three Girl. And for those who don't know Page Three Girl, she tended to be a young, mainly, but not exclusively, white woman who was on Page Three, bearing her breath, semi-naked. And there was, she was put there basically for men to look at as an object, you know, very demeaning towards women. What they didn't feature about these page three girls was, you know, whether what their achievements were, how clever they were, none of that. It was all about how they looked. The live page one women, they are worthy of front page stations because of what they've achieved, not because of how they look. Now, these are women of substance, women who have to contribute to the world, women who are making a difference. And that's why I think they deserve front page status. Now, what's, um, what's unusual about them is that none of them are celebrities. They're all ordinary women. We just don't hear about them because they're, they're busy. They're busy doing their thing. But they are worthy. They are noteworthy. And that's where the term comes from. So there's 10 of them in this book. And when I was writing the book, I realised that they all had, apart from their race, their colour and their gender, they all had something in common. And it's what I call the success equation. Now, that success equation, I'm going I'm to tell you what it is. It's D plus R2 plus P. You're wondering what that is. So D is determination. They all had determination in abundance. Then they had 
the two R's, which is resilience, speak to itself, and resistance. And that's about taking a stand against challenges that they faced as women of colour. And then the linchpin of it all is peace, which is purpose. Because that's the real driver. They all had purpose. And that's what they had in common that contributed toward their success. Now, I've discovered since writing that book that there is another R, there's a third R, and it's called reinvention. I didn't spot it at times, but none of these women have stayed still. Their success has evolved and they've had to reinvent themselves doing different things. It's a bit like me, really. I started off with a probation officer. I think I was successful. I went into family court welfare within a probation service. And from there, I moved into social work where I had a successful career within Kafka. Then I moved from there into training and development, still in the social work field. And now I'm a coach. I am a successful coach. I get a lot of clients. I don't go out looking for them. People come to me. And yeah, to all intents and purposes, I have reinvented myself in order to maintain my success, because success isn't a place you just arrive at. You have to keep working at it because the the world changes around you and what you're offering today might not be relevant to tomorrow. So that's one of the things all of these women have done. And unfortunately, I didn't pick it up, did I? (laughs) When I was writing. But there you go. So that's the success equation. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the page one um, concept. So I'm glad that you coined that because we all know women in the community who deserve to be on the front page. They don't get the accolades that they deserve. And I'm talking about women who wake up early in the morning, look after their families, do a full shift at work, do night work, day work, evening work, come home, cook from scratch, no cheats and um do not get MBEs, OBEs or recognition in that respect. So it's good to hear that you're putting women on the front page. Pam, it's very much about getting them recognised. But it's not just about the world recognising them. It's about them recognising themselves. Because a lot of these women think nothing of what they're doing. It's just just their lives, you know, especially women of colour who, certainly as black women, I don't know any black woman who had the luxury of being a housewife. We all go out to work. It's part of our culture. We are working wives and mothers. And we're doing all these things alongside what you're saying, looking after a family, um, running a household, all of that, and we get no recognition for it. And I just think it's so important that we know who we are we understand what we are bringing to the party because we're bringing a hell of a lot which often goes i'd say nine times out of ten goes unrecognized yes that's right i mean because we do things like um we're carers or we have what they call side hustles now but you know making pepper sauces baking cakes sewing all other kinds of pottage, I think they call it cottage industries that people are doing alongside their main job. I would say that black women did that in terms of selling Avon and Tupperware and, you know, always looking at what the next thing might be so that they can continue to provide for their families. So you notice that there was a trait amongst all of these women that made them successful. Now you've discovered this new trait, this new um, R, um, which is for reinvention. Is there another book in the offing um, about reinventing oneself? 
Well, people say never say never, but right now I can't see it happening. I mean, you know, you're an author yourself and a very successful one at that. You know the hard work, the grit and the, the gumption and all of that that goes into producing a book. You know, it's like a lot of people think that you just sit down and you write it or it ain't like that, is it? You know, you have to structure your time, especially when you're, you're working, you're running a business, you have to structure your time. And I know for me, I'd be getting up at five o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I wouldn't sleep because I'd get inspiration and I, I'd have to get it down like immediately before I lose it. And then there are times when you experience the, what they call the writer's block. You know, like, I can't say anything today. I haven't got anything to say. <laughs> and you're there. With your hand on the keyboard, you've probably written a sentence and you can't take it anywhere because nothing is coming. It, it's just incredibly challenging. And I've, I've written a, three other books before this one. Two of them were collaborative. I just I wrote chapters for those books. The last one was my first that I wrote solo. So I know what it, you know, I have a good appreciation of what it's like. And I don't know if I were to write another book it would be because I've been I would have been inspired like I was to write this one I've not told you about that actually is this a good time to talk about what inspired me yeah absolutely go ahead okay well it was round about 2019 I think it was it was after Harry and Meghan got married and I mentioned them because it was Meghan Markle not her specifically but the experience she was going through that inspired me to write this book now I'm not a a royal fan. I, I can take them or leave them, to be honest. But of course, Harry married a woman of dual heritage. So I, I was interested, you know, this is highly unusual, certainly in the UK. So I was watching and waiting. And of course, the backlash started after the wedding. What I couldn't get was the anger, the level of anger that she was experiencing. Um, it, it was like, the fascination ended after the wedding and then the tabloid press just went for her like Rottweilers. Everything she did became a source of criticism. Things that um, Kate Middleton did and then Meghan did. Kate Middleton did it with OK. Meghan did it. It was to be criticised. So I was watching all of this and couldn't understand. I, I, can't, I got why. You know, she wasn't a white woman. She was too, too close to the monarchy. Black people do not belong in the British monarchy, do they? Not to, not for a lot of people anyway. How watching this, now I was wondering, how is she dealing with this on a daily basis? Who's supporting her? And it just made me, it made me think about all those black women who are experiencing this kind of stuff on a, a regular basis and how they were navigating the world and their careers how they were dealing with it and that's what got me to write the book I remember I was doing one of my daily meditations and I just this idea just popped into my mind write a book you know all these women they're out there you see them every day you coach them get the book together get people to to read about the lives of these women and and that's why I did it that was the inspiration 
It's a beautiful story, um, Claudia, that as Black women, we can empathise with Meghan Markle. We saw it coming mm. and the comparison, pitting two women against each other, was blatant for you know everybody to see, really. But when you're not coaching, when you're not taking part in anthologies, who coaches you? Well, I had a, I had a great book coach. I called Denise Roberts from the editor's chair. She was absolutely brilliant. I don't think I could have delivered in the time I did if I hadn't been working with, with Denise. Um, she just kept me on track, really, and um, enabled me to continue believing in what I could produce. And we had some brilliant conversations, some political stuff. I, I actually think Denise learned quite a lot from me on the political and because uh, I am a very political thinking woman, um, I learned from her in terms of writing a book. Um, but I always had an opinion on something. I'm, a, I'm a quite an opinionated uh, woman. Um, so we had this kind of these really nice exchanges during our session before we actually got down to work. Um, so it was a joy working with her. And she's a former journalist, isn't she? That's a right. A lot of experience with the Jamaican Gleaner with The Voice and, and some other um, papers. I can't remember the names now. Um, but if, you know, if you're thinking of writing a book, I would highly recommend her. So she coaches me on the book. I, I have uh, my own coach when I need, you know, for personal stuff. Um, I'll call someone in because uh, I really believe in the power of coaching. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like putting your money where your mouth is. You can't expect women to invest in you when um, you don't have anyone that you can invest in in terms of um, coaching and mentoring and so on. So that's wonderful to see. Nee's actually, she's coming on the podcast soon. Oh, so I'm hoping to have an interview with her. I know her from the editor's chair and also from the, the book gym, which she runs on Clubhouse every Tuesday um, at, um, at eight o'clock. So again, if people are interested in having someone to mentor them through the process and all the hurdles that you can come up against, Denise is a really good person to have in your corner. Spoke to her, um, last night. So, you know, she's definitely in, in, in my corner as well. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you what the connection was between you and, um, Denise, because obviously she hosted your, your book launch, which was how long ago now? You had an online book launch, didn't you? It was January. Would you believe it? No, it feels like just the other day. It was January we launched the book. It was quite an event, wasn't it? It was over 100 people turned up, international as well. That was terrific. What we did, I did um, get it marketed. V. Roberts, another Roberts woman. <laughs> They're not related, but V. No. Roberts, she, uh, she marketed the launch and uh, we got... Uh, a lot of people turning up and Denise hosted it and it was quite an event, uh, very uh, interactive. I, I actually, the, the women in the book were on the launch, weren't they? And I, I did a question and answer uh, session with them and uh, some, some real, real gems. Yeah, some real gems. If, you ever, if you're interested in the launch, I think I've got a recording somewhere and you ever want to watch it. I think it's worth it just to hear these women talk about their experiences. Brilliant. Absolutely. Send me the link and I will post that on social media as well. Obviously, I was there, so I saw it and um, I got it firsthand. But I think it might be something that our listeners would like to have a look at for themselves. So tell us, uh, Denise, I'm calling you Denise now. <laughs> tell us, Claudia. 
What are your future plans? What's next for you? That's a million dollar question. What is next for me? I feel at the moment, I mean, it's summer, isn't it? I'm resting a little bit. I'm just, I think I've still got COVID, to be honest. Um, I caught it last week and I tested positive yesterday. thought it's good that we're online. Uh, I am isolating. So it, basically what it's saying to me is that I need to take a rest for the summer. So I'm not going to be doing a lot over the next few weeks. I'll be doing some stuff, but I'm not going to be coaching many people. And I might be doing some developmental work. I'm doing some anti-racist work and uh, with some organisations. And I'm working with organisations coaching Black and Asian staff as well. And that's it. So that's all I'm thinking at the moment. And we talked about writing another book. I'm, I'm just not sure. But who knows? Never say never. I might get inspired and write another one. And people have talked about writing a sequel to um, The Success Equation. I could do that, but who knows? But one of the things I am developing is um, a programme around The Success Equation. Uh, I want to make a coaching programme out of it and uh, enable women to actually develop those elements within themselves, you know, so that... They've got like a, a pathway to success as they define it. Yeah, I've started that process and I'd like to finish it by the end of the summer. You know, it's really good to know that those skills or those traits can be taught. It's something that someone yeah. can learn. You yeah. know, it's not just something that's innate or unique to those women, but other women can learn those skills as well. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, if people want to get hold of you, if organisations want to get hold of you, they're interested in your coaching, um, how can they get hold of you? Well, you can reach me on, I'll give you the email address. It's c.crawley, and that's Crawley with a C, like the town, at winningpathwayscoaching.com. And that's all one word, winningpathwayscoaching.com. You can also reach me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active there. And you can have a look at my website, which is www winningpathwayscoaching.com uh, you know you read about the book you can look at the testimonials on there I've got some really nice people saying really nice things about my coaching um, there's other stuff on there you can read about more women I love writing about women they're all on there on there under the the page called inspiration so yeah you can reach me through those um, those means yeah and how do people get hold of your books Amazon Go online, Amazon. Uh, you can get it online at Waterstone. I don't know if they've got it in the shop, actually, but I know you can get, can get it from the main bookshops online. And if you go in the store and it's not there, you can ask for them to, um, to get you a copy. That's fantastic. Um, Claudia, we've come to the end of our interview already. Hello, um, all over already. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, time has certainly flown. Promise me you'll come back if you decide to write another book that you'll come back on the Author to Author podcast. You know, I'm really pushing for you to write another book. We wrote Loving the Brothers recently. It took me four weeks and I was questioned yesterday as to why would I do that? And I said, well, you know, you upgrade your phone every two years. So it's been four years since Loving the Brothers. So I decided to upgrade the book. So you wow. never know. You might want to do a rewrite and include the additional R into yeah, the equation. I might find on the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thank you so, so much for joining us. And I look forward to speaking to you soon.
And before you go, Pam, just congratulations yes. on your new book, Loving the Sisters. I'm looking forward to reading that. Thank you very, very much. Bye for now. Okay, bye, Pam. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I loved chatting to Claudia. Here is your chance to win a copy of her book, Undeterred. In 2001, Claudia was transferred to CAFCAS. But what does CAFCAS stand for? DM me with the correct answer on Instagram at LovingTheAuthor or on my Facebook page, LovingTheAuthor Pamela R. Hain. The competition closes on Friday. That's it for now, folks. Have a wonderful week ahead. Bye for now. Please join Pamela R. Haynes for another author to author podcast coming soon. Wow. <laughs>